These last three weeks have been refreshing for us. They've been encouraging to us. My wife had major surgery on Tuesday. She had a complete hysterectomy. They took out a baseball-sized cyst on her ovary, and she is sitting here this morning in that pew. <laughs> uh, I said, honey, why did you come? She said, I love to hear you preach. You're the greatest preacher in America, and I, I wanted to sit here. <laughs> Oh, me, me, me. Well, thank you, honey, for being here. I tell you what, we've had an incredible run together, 22 years, going on 22 years. We married for the purpose of ministry. And she has been beside me, and I've been beside her. When I was serving with the Atlanta Hawks as their chaplain for so long, she was there at every chapel and sang most of the time in our chapel services, and our players loved her. Players from the other team loved her. I think that's the only reason they come to chapel, because they'd always ask, is Lisa singing tonight? So then the Georgia Force, the arena football team that I served for 12 years, Arthur Blank owned them in the Atlanta Falcons. And we were there, and she was at every game before and after, sang in chapel, ministered to the players. And then for 14 years, I served on the professional golf tour as their chaplain and got to travel with the tour and play on the tour as well, which was a joy for me, which was made up of PGA Tour players and Champions Tour players. And during at least the summer break, she's a school teacher, music teacher. Her summer break, she would caddy for me. Why are you laughing? She was my caddy. <laughs> she tells me what to do at home. She might as well tell me what to do while I'm playing golf. I'd always want a seven iron. She said, no, hit a six iron, the wind's blowing. She'd throw the wind up, said, look, it's coming left to right. I hated that so much. So, but, but she was there supporting that and, again, sang and ministered to our players as well. Then we get to go around to churches and minister. She did our worship music. The last interim I did, the last Sunday in December was our last Sunday at the church. She ministered for 28 months as our worship leader and our pastor. She helped me out in Duncan when I was there at First Baptist Church. And I decided this morning that I'm going to call Ken Hall and tell him to stay in Florida till July. <laughs> and then he might can come back. I want to thank Lee. Lee and I have had a close relationship for three weeks. He's been my right-hand man to tell me what to do, where to go, what to preach. I've got his outline here for he wants me to preach today. And Lee, thank you. A million thank you. Thank you, choir and orchestra. Man, I've missed this so much. I'm telling you now, you go to church, it's a rock concert, and you got, you know, anyway, thank y'all. <laughs> thank y'all for doing this. Don't stop that. Thank you very much. Well, we're talking about Jonah. Anybody figured that out yet? We're talking about Jonah. One man said this morning, you still own Noah? I said, well, a little bit later, we're in Jonah, so <laughs> I had a good time with that. I'd like to do Noah. It's a great story. Did he ever get out? Lee's asked me the last couple of Sundays. You think he's going to get out? Well, he got out, and this morning we're going to talk about that, but I think he might have, should have stayed in there a little bit longer. If you look at the fourth chapter of the book of Jonah, he messed it up again. And we're going to talk about the reasons why he kind of had a collapse there in chapter 4. If you got your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Jonah. We're going to finish up the second chapter, the last verse or two, and then we're going to jump right into chapter 3. 
And boy, I think God's got a word for us, and I think our invitation is going to be very special today because I, I think the Lord's going to call us to a, maybe a life commitment that we've never made before, a commitment that maybe we just kind of forgot about. So I'm looking forward to seeing what God does in that. Three days to learn my lesson, Jonah said. Well, he learned some of it, but I think he might have missed the most important lesson maybe that God was trying to teach him. Verse 9 of the second chapter of the book of Jonah, it says, But I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Look at that next word. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up unto dry ground. That word, then, is such a key word in this whole story. Then. It wasn't until Jonah said, I tell you what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I'm going to pay my vow that I made to you. I'm going to pay it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. Then, then he got out of the belly of that great fish. Then. There might be some of you sitting in this room this morning, in the balcony here in the choir, watching online. There might be somebody here this morning that that word is going to be the key to you getting victory in your Christian life. Maybe God's waiting on you to surrender your will, your desire, your calling to God. Then God might do something really spectacular in your life. I think we're always confronted with that in our Christian life. I don't think the Christian life is just to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ and get saved and go to heaven and wait till we go to heaven. I don't think that's the Christian life. I think most people have made it that, but I think they miss really all the benefits and joy of walking with God in this life because they really don't have any idea of what the Christian life really is. Not just getting saved. It's living saved. It's seeing God do a something in your life that is super spectacular, something far above what you would ever think would ever happen in your life, who you are, who I am, what God can do in us. It took him three days to learn a lesson. And when he learned it, and he remembered that, you know what, in this thinking time in day one, when I began to think about what am I doing here, maybe he thought, oh, hey, I need to get back to the original calling of God in my life. Maybe I need to obey God. Maybe I need to do what God has asked me to do. Maybe I need to re-surrender my surrender to God when he told me to go to Nineveh. And I told him, I'm not going there. And as he began to think and as he began to analyze, as he began to weigh the pros and cons and write down the, the good and the bad, he decided, you know what I need to do? I need to go to Nineveh. And when he made that decision, then, then God said, all right, I think we've got something I can use. I think he will do it. But then we come to the third chapter, and I think it's the greatest chapter, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, especially verse 1. I asked our 830 service, are you ready to get excited? And they looked at me about like you're looking at me now. So 
<laughs> it don't change between services, brother. I'm telling you. I said, are you ready to shout? Are you ready to get excited? Are you ready to maybe give me a hallelujah? There we go. But he said in verse 1 of chapter 3, listen to what it says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying. Now again, that might not fire you up. You might not get all happy and want to shout and say hallelujah. But when you think about it and when you grasp it and when you understand it, it is life changing for you and me. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time time. Now, I wish we could preach a whole series on the God who gives us a second chance. Because I think that's most people in this room, whether you want to admit it or not, or whether you want to raise your hand and say, oh, preacher, you're talking to me. Pastor, you are talking to me. Maybe we won't do it like that, but I'm telling you, I think for most of us in this room this morning, we honestly can say, thank God that God is a God of a second chance. Amen. He told Jonah to go to Nineveh. I'm not doing that. I'm going in the opposite direction. I'm going to Tarshish. God put him in a situation like he has to do you and me. He has to put us in situations because we're not going to learn by just maybe hearing a sermon or writing down some notes or going to a Bible study class. He has to teach us sometimes the hard way. He has to get our attention. He has to really get us to focus on what we're doing sometimes. And that's exactly what happened in Jonah's life. And boy, did God get his attention. Then when he learned some lessons and spent some time thinking and turning and repenting and analyzing and putting all this together... He said, all right, God, I'll do it now. I'll pay my vow. Then he gets on the beach. And then the word of the Lord came to him a second time. Oh, that is marvelous. A second time. The God of a second chance. What about Rahab? What about Moses? A murderer. What about Abraham? A liar. What about the woman called in adultery? What about Peter? What about David? Can we just go on and on and on through all the people in the Bible that God used, most of which were people who got a second chance? We call it grace, we call it mercy, we call it long-suffering, we call it patience, we call it a lot of theological terms that sounds good, but to most people, they don't really understand it because they're just words. But if you and I have experienced God being the God of a second chance, we will shout, we will say amen, we will say praise God because God is a God who will speak to you a second time. And that's exactly what he did in the life of Jonah. I was listening to a sermon last week, just trying to refresh myself on some things that I was thinking about. And Drew Boswell, I don't know Drew Boswell, never heard of him before, but I saw he had a sermon. I clicked on it. He's at Bellevue Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. 
I listened to just a little bit of his sermon, and he brought up four things that were really crucial in the life of Jonah. And I wrote them down thinking, well, I can use that Sunday. And so I texted Drew and told him that I'd like to use these four points in the message this Sunday at First Baptist Church in Noonan. If he had no problem with that, he said, you can use anything I want to use because everything that I use, I try to get it out of the Word of God, and the Word of God is free. You're free to use this. But he said, in Jonah's life, this could have happened. Number one, you do nothing with the opportunity. God gives you a second chance. He gives you a second word. He gives you another opportunity to do it, and you simply don't do it. We have churches filled all across our country this day with people sitting out there not doing anything with the opportunity that God has given them. The second thing that he says is this. He says, you assume that you will get a third chance. Ah, oh, I do it tomorrow, preacher. Can I get with you next week, preacher? Hey, God, that sounded good. I got really moved in that service. That sermon really spoke to me, and I want to do this, God. I really do. I really do, God. I really want to do it. And if you can give me a couple of weeks, I'm busy at work, and I've got all these things going on right now in my life, and my son's in ball, and my daughter's in this, and, you know, if you'll give me just a couple of weeks or a couple of months, God, I'm your man. How many times has that happened? in our lives. I think Drew was on to something when he gave us that second one. The third one, he says this. He says, sometimes if we're not careful, you're not willing to grow from the experience. Now, this is where I say that Jonah messed up chapter four. Did he repent? Yes, he did. Did he turn around in his thinking, I've got to obey God, I've got to obey God, I've got to go do what God said. He said go to Nineveh, I'm going to go to Nineveh. Did he do that? Yes. But when he did what God asked him to do, and he saw what God did as a result of that, it made him furious, mad, angry, and to the point that he says one time in the fourth chapter, I just need to die. I am so mad, I don't care if I live another day. I'm fed up with this. I'm tired of this. And he was just beyond rage. And you'd think, wouldn't you think, choir, three days in the belly, learned some lessons that he wouldn't come out talking like that? And I think that's true for you and for me. Sometimes we're not willing to grow from the experience. We'll, we'll grudgingly give in or say we'll do it and then do it and then when what happened to Jonah. Number four, his last point says this, you sabotage it. You mess it up. You, you start going the, the route of the fake facade, the, I, I'm not worthy. Woe is me. <laughs> I'm so undone. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And we use all these words. And we go wine and you sabotage it. You mess it up. God knows you're not worthy for you ever cause you. But when God gives you a second chance, don't mess it up. Don't sabotage it. Do it. Do it. Do it. For the glory of God. Two Sundays I've been in the sanctuary early in the morning. As soon as the doors are open, I'm here. I came down here this morning early, and I'm not saying this where you can, or I can sign your Bible afterward and do autographs. I'm not doing it for none of that, but I want to teach you a quick lesson. 
I've come down here, got on my knees on this second step right here, and I prayed this. And this is the only thing that's come out of my mouth the last two Sundays I've done it. I've said, for the glory of God, for the glory of God. That's the only thing I can pray. That's the only thing I can say. For the glory of God, 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 for the glory of God. Don't blow it. Don't sabotage it. Let God fulfill his will in your life. Let God finish the work that he called you to do and you'll be down here with me saying for the glory of God, for the glory of God, for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Because you know, and I know, maybe you don't know, but this boy knows, this boy knows, down here, I've had the 15th millionth chance. How about you? How about you? Just think every time you pray a prayer of repentance for a word you said or a thought you thought or a thing that you did and you prayed something like this, Heavenly Father, man, I feel so bad every time I do that. And you know I don't want to do it, but I do. I do it anyway. But God, I promise you right now in Jesus' name, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm going to claim 1 John 1, 9. If I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So, Father, I ask you now to cleanse me in Jesus' name. And he does. And he washes you again. He takes his blood and, and washes that out of you. To the point that he'll say to you again, don't bring it up again because if you do, I won't know what you're talking about because I'm not going to remember your sins anymore. That is a second chance. How many's had that in this room? We all have. We all have. And we get those opportunities from God to be forgiven, to be put back on track, put back where you belong, put back in place to finish what God's called you to do. And then when you get an opportunity to do it, do it for the glory of God. Do it for the glory of God. Let God use you. The times that I've been down here in your church now for the last couple of years, the men's retreat, I, pre I preached one time last year and then here three days again. I look at your church. I look at your community. I look how close you are to town. I look at the people down here. Folks, you have an opportunity that most churches don't have. You have the money. You have the facilities. You have the staff. You have the people. Do something with it for the glory of God. Let God give Noonan a second chance, a third chance, of whatever chance you all are on, we're all on those chances. Let God do it. And when you pray, when you seek, and when the committees meet, and when you do your thing, say this, for the glory of God, for the glory of God, for the glory of God, because God is giving us a second chance. Hallelujah. A second chance. So he's on this beach. He hears this word again. I want you to go to Nineveh. So here's our third word in our series. The first one was think, 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 Jonah, think. I'm asking you, I'm asking me, think. I'm asking you to turn, to repent, repent, 
repent, repent, turn. But the third word is really good. And I'm sorry I'm emotional, but I'm emotional in any pulpit, any place I preach because I think it's real, folks. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think this works. I know it does. And it's real to me. It's real to me. And this third word, I think, is the best of them all. It's the word trust. 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 But trust is a two-way street. Always will be with God. Number one. Number one. God had to trust Jonah again. You don't think that's not love? You don't think that's not mercy? You don't think that's not forgiveness? You don't think that's not understanding? You don't think that's not patience? You don't think that's long-suffering? Then you and I know nothing about God. For God to say to Jonah, after he gets out, he spoke to him again, God trusted Jonah one more time. Trust. Trust. I read something this week in Rotterdam. It says this, Our sins can never be greater than the grace of God. Our failure can never be greater than the love of God. That's Jonah. That's what Jonah would say to us if he was standing here this morning preaching. He would say those words and those phrases to you. There's nothing that you could have done, church, that would separate you from the love of God. I was having lunch one day with my dear friend, Dr. Richard Lee. Richard was at Rehoboth and there's Hope America and all that Richard's done in his ministry. Been a dear friend for a long, long, long time. We were having lunch one day, and I said, Doc, I said, you know, I'm getting tired and sick and tired of hearing all these people talk about disgrace, disgrace. Well, you hear what that preacher did? Well, he's disgraced. Did you hear what that person did? They're disgraced. You hear what that deacon did? He's disgraced. I said, biblically, theologically, there's no such thing as disgraced. There's not a sin that you and I can do that will knock us out of the love of God. There's nothing you and I will ever do in this life that will separate us from the grace of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Nothing. Now, the churches, yes, we have, well, he did this, he, she did that, they did this, they did that. Get away, get away, get away. Remember in school when we were little? We and the boys, what we used to do, because when girls would come around, that was ooey-gooey back then. And what we used to do in school would get cootie shots. Anybody ever got a cootie shot before? Maybe they'd have that Noonan, but we had it in Tucker. You take a pencil and you put a mark here and you put a mark there. So every time a girl come up, you just put your hands up. You were protected from the girl, from her cooties. Now, that'll preach if you'll preach it, Lee. That's got some, pre that's got some stuff to it. Uh, cooties. Well, folks, we do that in church. We, we tell people we have the blood of Jesus on our hands. Don't get around me, sinner. Don't get around me, disgraced person. Don't get around me, adulterer. Don't get around me, bank robber. Don't get around me. Don't get around me. I'm holy. You're not. 
I'm perfect and righteous. I go to church every Sunday. I'm in Sunday school. I'm in Bible study. I'm in church training when we had that long time ago. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Don't get around me. I am perfect. Disgrace. There is no such thing as that. God's not going to kick us out. We'll kick ourselves out. But God's not going to kick us out because I guarantee you this, according to the Word of God, if we repent and tell God we're sorry and mean it, God will be like the prodigal father. He'll come out and greet you and receive you like he did Jonah. The Word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't have done that if I'd have been God, would you? I'd have just let just rot. Yeah, you deserve that. I asked you to go. You didn't do it. Ha, ha, ha. Stay in there and just get eat up. I don't care. That's what I would have done. But not my God, not the God of the Word. God's got arms this morning wide open for all of us to trust Him. And that's the second one. He trusts me. Now I need to trust Him. 1 Timothy 1.12 says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy appointing me into service. You know that scripture comes from the Apostle Paul. The least likely candidate in the, on the planet to be put in ministry, to be used of God. A few days ago, he's killing Christians tried to annihilate Christianity altogether. He did everything in his power to destroy the name of Jesus. And he gets saved, and a few days later, he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he used that phrase, I thank God that God trusted me and put me into service, and here's what I'm going to do. I am going to trust God. And boy, did he ever trust God, and look what he did because he trusted God. A scripture that I've used so many times, I tried to tell them in the early service, if I said a million, it might be a little bit too many. If I said a hundred, it'd be way too little. I do not know the number, but I guarantee you it's been in the thousands of times I've used this scripture. Faithful is he who calls you, who will also bring it to pass. First Thessalonians 5.24 whether I be at Webb's Creek Baptist Church, my first church as a pastor. Whether it be at Mount Rachel Baptist Church, my second church as a pastor. Whether it be Sherlington Baptist Church in Macon, Georgia, my third pastorate. Whether it be the first Baptist Church in Perry, Georgia, my fourth pastorate. Whether it be Grace Fellowship Church where I pastored for a long time whether it be First Baptist Church in Duncan, South Carolina, doing an interim, whether it be Bethany Baptist Church, where I did 28 months as an interim, whether it be First Baptist Church Noonan for three weeks. Can I tell you the times that I've said to God, faithful is he who has called me, who will also bring it to pass. The conversations that I've heard from the enemy would, 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 would blow your mind. 
the worst attack that Satan comes against me, now I know different preachers have their different times, but I'm telling you the worst attack that comes my way is on my way to the pulpit. Who, who are you? What are you doing up there? Don't you remember what you did in high school? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Yes, I remember. I try not to, but don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? But I have to say this, faithful is he who's called you who will also bring it to pass. I must trust God. How about you? I must trust him. I told the early service I went to my 10-year class reunion after high school. Now, remember, we didn't have Facebook and social media like we do now. I mean, when you left school, you just lost contact with most of your people, on, on your friends, you just lost contact. Well, I go back after 10 years. I walk in, see the guys and gals that I knew in high school and grammar school. Most of us went to school together from elementary all the way to high school. And now my guy friends come up and say, hey, Randy, what the blank, blank, blank are you doing now, you blank, blank, blank? You were the worst blank, blank, blank in our high school. I can't believe you're a blank, blank, blank even alive. And I'm just standing there thinking, no, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I'll tell you what you're doing, you blank, blank, blank. And I said, I'm a pastor. No, you blank, blank, blank. Ain't no way you're a blank, blank, blank. You better tell me what you're doing. You're, you're not a blank, 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 blank pastor. I said, I'm a pastor. I've been called to preach. I've been born again. And God put me in the ministry. Now, you want to talk about a testimony? I trust God. Because all those blanks were true, what they said. I was everything that they said I was. That's what makes grace so real and fresh and new every morning, every day to the point that sometimes all we can pray is to the glory of God, to the glory of God, to the glory of God. Because God, I trust you. Well, maybe there's somebody in this room that needs to trust God this morning. Yeah, you might be saved, you might be born again, you might be the deacon of the church, you might be in the choir, you might be on staff, you might be, it doesn't matter who we are, but there might be somebody in this room this morning that needs to trust God. Decision you have to make, something you're going through, but you've got to trust God. And Jonah trusted him. He trusted him to the point that he went to Nineveh. Let's give him credit for that. He did go where he was supposed to go. He did finally do what God had called him to do. So I want to close out with two things. Number one, he trusted God and he answered the call. He trusted God and answered the call. Now, again, when most preachers say something like that, everybody takes a kind of a sigh of relief. Whew. 
I had been called to preach. I had been called to be a missionary to Africa. So, man, I thank God he's not talking about me now. Answer the call. Well, I had been called to preach. I had been called to pastor a church like First Baptist Church noon. And I I had been called to do this. So, whoo, thank you, Randy. You've got off of me now. And yeah, talk to those preachers out there. Talk to those people. I wish it was that easy. Answer the call. You have in your bulletin this morning a piece of paper. And it has on this piece of paper, where are you called to serve? And on this piece of paper, it says audit, food services, missions, evangelism, baptism, insurance, nominating, safety. Thank God, keep us safe. AV team, music ministry, prayer team, woman's ministry, mission, Sunday school. And then write down some other things here, your talents, interests. Right here, folks. If First Baptist Church Noonan is going to change and do everything that God has called it to do and be, it's going to be because people answer the call. Answer the call. God, I don't think I'm equipped. I don't think I'm good. I don't think I'm this. I don't think I'm that. But God, I'm going to trust you because I feel in my heart that you're asking me to answer a call. I don't care if it's out there in the parking lot. When it's raining, run out there and grab an umbrella on your members and your visitors, especially visitors. I don't care if it's being a greeter at the front door or the back door. Every single job in this church is extremely important. This square right here that I'm standing on is not the most important job in the church. A greeter is important. Someone who vacuums the floor is important. Someone who cleans up the sanctuary, puts the books out, helps out. That's extremely important. You don't have to have a seminary degree. Just simply answer the call, just like Jonah did. The second time it took him, but he answered the call. Number two, boy, this is, this is good. And I, I think we see it not only in what happened in the story, but I think we can look back over church history and say amen to this one right here. Yeah, he answered the call. But number two, he trusted God and saw and saw and saw the awesomeness of God. I think Noonan, like every other church I've been in and pastored in Interim or pastor, wherever it was, I think every church I've been in could have used some awesomeness of God in their services. Now, I'm not talking about emotional, screaming, hollering, running around. That's what you want to do, knock yourself out. I'm not talking about that. But just watch God come and deposit himself in a room and see what he does. What made this story such an awesome thing that he saw God do was the fact that when he went and told Nineveh what they needed to do, they did it. They repented. They said yes to God. They followed God. They believed God. They did what God asked them to do. It was an incredible story. And the awesomeness of God showed up. 
I reminded the people this morning in the 8.30 service, we wore out a song, and I guess it was the 80s, whenever it was out, I don't remember. But it was a song, Awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. And you know that song? We, we just, we ran it in the ground. And now it's not even sung hardly at all anymore. But I asked the 8.30 service, and I'll ask you the same thing. When you, when you wake up in the morning, and you put your feet on the ground, throw your hands up and say, our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom and power. My God is an awesome God. That's what we need to say every morning because he is awesome. And he wants to do awesome things. But if we don't answer the call, we don't do what God wants us to do. And if we don't obey God, you and I will never see what God can really do. But he answered that call. And he saw God do a work. And here's the, here's the tragedy. It made him furious. I love what it says in verse 10. And we're through. When God saw their deeds in chapter 3, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Now you can give me an amen. He didn't do it. He didn't bring his judgment. He didn't bring his wrath. He didn't bring his fury on Nineveh because of their disobedience and their rebellion and everything that they were. He did not do it. Now, that's an awesome God. If you don't believe me, we're here today, aren't we? If we got what we deserved, not a one of us would be sitting in this building this morning. God has relented a million times on this old boy. And all I can pray is for the glory of God, for the glory of God, for the glory of God. Because I've been given too many chances sometimes. But I serve an awesome God who reigns from heaven above with wisdom and power. Our God is an awesome God. J. Vernon McGee made one statement, and I wrote it down. And it says this, Jonah not only had a message, he was a message. There you are this morning, ladies and gentlemen. I know you can tell people how to be born again. I know you know things in this Bible. I know you know the message. But what's even a greater message, not to diminish from this in any way, but what's a greater message is that this message works in your life, and now you're the message. That's a testimony. That's our God that we serve. Trust him. Please, please trust him individually. Please, First Baptist Noonan, trust him this morning. Our invitation is going to start in just a minute.
And I'm going to do something probably a little different because I love to do things different because I do things different because that's just kind of who I am. But I'm going to ask you a serious question this morning. And I'm going to ask you for a serious response. Last week, the altar was, what a sight, what, what, a, what a testimony to God that was. But this Sunday, it gets even better. Because I'm going to ask you to do what I'm going to do this morning. And I'm going to slip down in just a moment, and my mic's still going to be on. I'm going to slip over to my wife because she can't stand up. In fact, I'm heading over there now. I'm going to ask you to trust God. Because as of right now, we have no idea where God's going to place us. We don't know where we're going next. And that's not really that unusual, but it sometimes is a little frightening. It is a little scary. <laughs> but I know God's got a place for Lisa and I. There's no question in my mind, no doubt in my mind, that there's somewhere we're going to fit into. But I'm telling you, as of this, when I say amen, Lisa and I are going to trust God. Aren't we, baby? We're going to trust God. We don't know. We have no idea. But we're going to trust God. With everything we've got, we've seen God be faithful. Faithful is he who calls you, who will also perform it. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and it's not going to start now. So I want to ask you to pray for us, but I want to ask you to do what we're doing. Because there's somebody in this room this morning that needs to trust God. It could be about a job. It could be about whether to get married or not. It could be about some financial thing. It could be a million things. But as I pray, I want to pray for you specific. So here's what we're going to do in this invitation that might be a little different than what you're used to or what you have. I'm going to ask you right now, before we start, Lee, we can go ahead and start some music or something if you want to. But I'm going to ask you, as you're sitting there right now, those of you in the balcony, wherever you may be, those who are online, if you want us to pray for you, and let's be bold about it, I'm going to ask you to stand up where you're sitting right now. Just stand up. If you need to trust God on something, it could be big, small, little, whatever it may be. don't matter about the size. And I'm going to ask you to stand up you mean business with God this morning. That you want to stand up and trust God. Lord. We all do. I kind of thought it might be that way. We all need to trust God. I need to trust God to get home. You ever been in traffic anywhere <laughs> around here? We need to trust God to make it home. Trusting God's not just necessarily for the big things, but the little things, the small things in life that God calls us to do and wants us to do. And at least our trusting where we're going to be next week. I hope there's doors open up. I know there will be. We're trusting God. And by you standing, 
And if you're watching online, get out of your chair, get off the bed. Stand up in your house, stand up wherever you are. And just say, trust in God. Let's pray together. Let's pray for these people. Let's pray for us. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we all want to trust you this morning. We want to trust you for the small things, but yet, God, we want to trust you for the calling that you put on all of our lives. And Lord, that sheet of paper that was given out this morning needs to be filled out, signed, put into place. We pray for First Baptist Church Noonan. Oh, God, that they would just trust you. Not trust in their own understanding. Not trust in what they think. But God, simply trust you this morning. I pray for Lisa and I. I pray for everybody in this room this morning that will learn and know what it means to trust you. Thank you, God that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Speak this morning to someone another time. Another time. May they hear your voice. I thank you, O God. I give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.